The title of the sermon is, Hello, my name is Shema. Did any of you find yourself in a rush this week? Did you find yourself in the midst of busyness? That has been my week for sure, and as I mentioned earlier, I'll be racing out the door to make it to Charlotte to catch a flight to Michigan. And so I've been thinking about the other times in my life when I've been in a big rush. I remembered that about four years ago, I was trying to rush a three-year-old and a six-year-old out the door to make it to the movies on time. We were trying to get out the door as quickly as we could, but we had one child who had to go back and forth to the potty several times, and then the other child would not leave until he finished his Lego creation. <laughs> and I was trying my best to get to the movie before the movie started because I knew if we got into the movie and it had already started, they would be devastated. The movie would be ruined if we were late at all. So we were trying to get out the door. And after several failed attempts, we finally got into the car we rushed over to the theater and we raced inside the theater with our hidden snacks falling out of our pockets. Here I would like to say, yes, even pastors sometimes hide snacks and sneak them into the movies. We paid for our tickets. We went into the movie. We went into the theater. The movie was just about to begin. So we rushed down the hall. We turned the corner to the hall. And of course, the theater was the very last one down the hall. So we went to the end of the hall, and I hurried as fast as I could, my two young boys into the door, and I quickly followed behind. And only when we were inside did I realize that I had crammed all of us into the janitor's closet. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself in a rush? <laughs> Have you ever found yourself in so much of a dizzying hurry that you weren't able to keep your attention and that maybe you even missed some really important signs or some really important words, words like janitor's closet <laughs> written on the door. Have you ever missed some really important words? Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words close to your heart. Have you ever missed some really important words? A year after Lindsay and I were married, we bought our first place, a small condo on the outskirts of Nashville, Tennessee. The condo was on the third floor of an old apartment building. The condo was not much bigger than an oversized bedroom, but it was our first place. It was ours, and like new homeowners, we obsessed over every detail of that place. And not long after we settled into the condo, did I notice that there was a strange bump on the door frame. I had totally missed it before was this strange little thing that jetted out from the door frame, the front door of our condo. 
and it had been painted over when they were painting the apartment um, before we moved in. But when I looked at it more closely, I realized what it was. That strange bump on the door was a mezuzah. Have you heard of that before? That's the Hebrew word for doorpost. A mezuzah is usually a small wooden case, and it has something handwritten inside. It's a scroll, basically. And that scroll includes the words that we heard from the book of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Following the command of Deuteronomy 6 to write these words on your doorposts, some Jews affix a mezuzah to their, door, door, to their doorpost. And sometimes it's just on the outside door and sometimes it's on all the doors of a home. God's word is literally displayed in their houses, in their homes. And it's a physical reminder of what's called the Shema. Have you ever heard that word before, Shema? Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. It comes from this passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In Hebrew, it sounds like this. Shema Yisrael Adonai Elanehu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel. Just before chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, Moses gives the Israelites the Decalogue, or the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words. And it's the second time that Moses has given the Ten Commandments. At times, they've acted like they missed it the first time, and they received the Ten Commandments again. The people received the Ten, ten Commandments first when they were liberated from slavery in Egypt, and now, 40 years later, a new generation receives the Ten Commandments again as they prepare to enter into the Promised Land. And Moses says something interesting as he prepares to once again give the people the Ten Commandments. This is what he says. Not with our ancestors did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. In Hebrew, this verse contains repetition that seems to communicate that the commandments were not just for the generation before, but they're for the people who are standing there now, preparing to enter into the new land and receiving those commandments. So in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the people receive the Ten Commandments again, and then we have the Shema in chapter 6, and it seems as almost a way of summarizing the law and summarizing the Ten Commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. 
One of my Old Testament professors, Patrick Miller, wrote this. The Shema was the touchstone for Israel's faith and life. The plumb line by which their relationship to the Lord of history was constantly being measured. For this reason, later Judaism set these words to be recited by every Jew each morning and evening. This was not a legalistic or merely pious gesture. It was a true apprehension that those who live under the rule of the Lord of Israel are to set their lives and shape their daily conduct and their interior direction by these most important and primary words. The struggle of faith was and is a constant effort to discover afresh in each situation the experience of the confession that is made in the Shema and the requirements of the demand imposed by it. That quote kind of helps to emphasize and to show us just how important this prayer, how important the Shema was in the Jewish tradition and is in the Jewish tradition. In fact, Jesus himself, a, a Jew, would have recognized the primary importance of the Shema. In Matthew's gospel, a Pharisee tries to test Jesus, asking him, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus answers that question with the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. In fact, many have noted that the Shema seems to be a positive reinstatement of the first commandment and the Ten Commandments. We know that the first commandment says this, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. The Shema is almost like a positive perspective on that first command. You shall have no other gods before me. Perhaps another way of saying that is this, you shall love your God with all your heart and your soul and your might. I once heard an interesting take on the Shema. The Old Testament professor, Rolf Jacobson, who also had Patrick Miller as an Old Testament professor. Patrick Miller was around a long time teaching a lot of people the Old Testament. But Rolf Jacobson notes that in the Jewish tradition, we in the Jewish tradition, what we consider to be the first commandment is actually broken down into two different commandments. So in Deuteronomy, the first commandment, or more literally from the Hebrew, the first word is this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. In the Jewish tradition, that's the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of slavery. In some ways, all the other commandments are to be understood by that good news. The God who calls you to this way of living is the God who first rescued you. The God who calls you to these commands is the God who saved you, who heard your cries and responded. God's grace comes first. Read, the commandments read this way shows us that God's goodness and salvation come first. But then God calls us to faithful obedience and devotion. God saves the people, and then God calls the people to respond. 
I think the Shema can be understood the same way. The call to love your God with your whole self, with your whole heart, soul, and mind does not come out of nowhere. It comes from the God who has already displayed love for us. The God who has already been working on our behalf. The God who saves us and cares about us. So the call to love God is not a one-sided commandment. It's a command built on what is already a special relationship that God has demonstrated for us in the past and promises to continue to demonstrate for us in the future. I like the way that 1 John 4 puts this. It puts it simply. We love because God first loved us. We love because God first loved us. This equation is built into the Shema's instruction to remember God's commandments. And we see it later in chapter 6 as well. Chapter 6 verse 12 says this. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Be careful that you do not forget. As Christians, we don't mount mezuzahs as part of our faith tradition. But we do something similar. We sometimes have crosses or other religious symbols in our homes to represent our faith and devotion to God who showed himself to us in Christ. In some ways, a cross is our word of faith because it represents the living word of Jesus. So having a cross hanging in your home may be something you or your family has done or it might be something you want to consider. But as Gordon mentioned in the children's sermon this morning, I also love the idea of having actual words mounted and displayed, words that remind us of God's love and grace for us. I want you to think about that this week. What words might you display in your home? As you also consider how you can respond to Deuteronomy 6, to hear these words and to respond to these words, what ones might you put up in your own home? Maybe it could be something like the Shema. Hear this, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your might. What words might you put up? Words for your family to see, words for your household to live by. Almost like a mission statement or a mantra or a motto. How can we keep God's word in front of us and before us? After Lindsay and I discovered that mezuzah on our doorpost in our condo, we decided just to leave it exactly where it was. We decided to keep those words. And I didn't do it every day, but every now and then, when I entered the home, just as Jewish custom instructs, I would touch that mezuzah as I entered our house. It's a symbolic gesture, but it's a meaningful one. That we should carry God's love for us and our love for God into our homes and also out into our worlds. Because we need reminders. 
we get really busy. We get frantic. We get so busy sometimes we end up in janitor's closets instead of movie theaters. We need those reminders. We need to put those words in front of us to remember how God loves us so much. How God's love comes to us first. And how God calls us to respond to that love. So wherever God takes you this week, whether it's into your own house or out into new places, may you keep these words close to you. May you keep these words close. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, sometimes we miss your word for us. Sometimes we overlook your grace, but even still your word is faithful and so are your promises. You have promised to love us and to listen to us. You have promised that you have a plan for us and that you believe in us but we don't always keep these words in mind. In our indifference or selfishness or distractedness, we miss your constant word of love. And we forget the gift of your son, the living word, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, help us to keep your words in mind, words of mercy and love, as we seek to love you in your world, as we seek to love you with our heart, heart and soul and might. And so now we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. We pray in the name of the one who is our living Savior and taught us to pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.